بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ today is the 5th of March in the year 2023 Alhamdulillah we moved on to the 5th session that we're going through the commentary of the blessed Surah Al-Hajj and I've reached verse 11 so inshallah today going through up to and including verse 16 so verse 11 Hawadhubillahi minash shaitan rajeem Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim there are amongst men some who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it were on the edge if good befalls them they are therewith well content but if a trial comes to them they turn on their faces they lose both this world and the hereafter that is lost for all to see so in this blessed verse Allah the Almighty and Glorious is mentioning a certain type of person and he's embraced Islam but he now expects nothing but goodness. If it goes, if it comes, he's happy. If it doesn't, he then starts doubting. So there's a report in Ruh al-Ma'ani and War al-Bayan. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu he said, A Jew accepted Islam after which he lost his sight, he lost his wealth, and he lost his children. He then came to the Prophet requesting that his pledge of allegiance be revoked because he considered Islam to be unfortunate for him. The Prophet said, O Jew, Islam melts people with triumph, just like how a furnace melts iron, gold and silver removing the alloys and dirt from it. Upon this, this verse was revealed. I verse 11. So here in this report, what test was given to this newly, per, new person who entered the faith? Soon as he became Muslim, he lost everything. So look how interesting. Instead of going to the Prophet for clarification, he went to the Prophet to nullify his Islam. So the Prophet said, Islam melts a person, takes away his sins. And he mentioned the example of the heat with regards to iron. So this verse was revealed because of that incident. But in another report it mentions, so this is recorded in Ibn Mardawih, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, it happened that when a man from the Jew embraced the religion of Islam, he lost his eyesight, wealth and children. The matter at which he got pessimistic with the religion of Islam and said, I gain nothing. I gain nothing good from this religion. And this Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. So what's interesting, they were Jews. <laughs> so now why is that important to highlight? Because they were people of scripture. They should have known the basics. But this was their mindset. If I get good, it's a good religion. If I'm tested, it's not a good religion. And Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. But there's other reports as well. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, number 4742. Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir, Fattal Bari, 8-296, and Ma'arif Al-Quran, volume 6, page 248 of the English translation. 
Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited this portion of verse 11. Amongst mankind is he who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if he were upon the edge. He explained, people would come to al Madina to become Muslim and if their wives gave birth to sons and their mares gave birth to foals, they would say this is a good religion. But if their wives and their mares did not give birth, they would say, this is a bad religion. <laughs> so now, in this flawless report, it's not talking about Jews. It's talking about people coming out from Medina to Medina to embrace Islam. And they, if they were blessed with children and livestock, they go, this is a good religion. If they weren't, because this is a bad religion. They go, this is what Allah Ta'ala refers to. They're worshipping on the edge. In another report, it mentions... So this is recorded in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, one of them would come to Al-Madinah, which was a land that was infected with a contagious disease. If he remained healthy there, and his mare fold and his wife gave birth to a boy, he would be content. He would say, I have not experienced anything but good since I started to follow this religion. Then Ibn Abbas recited, fitna. But if a fitna strikes him, he explained, fitna here means affliction. The disease of Medina struck him and his wife gives birth to a baby girl and sadaqah is delayed coming to him. The shaitan comes to him and says, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, since you started to follow this religion of yours, you have experienced nothing but bad things. And this is the fitna referred to in this verse. Similar was mentioned by many of the Salaf of Qatar, the Ad-Dahab ibn Juraj, ibn Jarir and ibn Kathir's tafsir. So here it adds, the Quran says, in fitna. When a fitna strikes him, so what's the fitna in verse 11 that Allah is referring to? It means that it doesn't go to plan. They wanted a the boy, they get a girl. They don't get uh, money coming in. Then go shaitan whispers this into them. This is shaitan. He goes, since you embrace Islam, nothing, no goodness comes. So how can it be a good religion? He goes, this is the fitna. And also in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Mujahid, he recited this portion of the verse, He turns back his face. Means he becomes an apostate and an unbeliever. He leaves Islam. So now, what's interesting about all this? This is shaitan. There's actually a hadith. The hadith is in Nasai and authentic. And the Prophet وسلم, the nearest meaning to the hadith. He said, when a person is thinking of embracing Islam, shaitan comes to him. And shaitan says, are you going to leave the religion of your forefathers? Are you going to leave the religion of the, your friends and your family? He overcomes the shaitan. He embraces Islam. Then shaitan comes to him. And he goes, are you going to do hijrah? Are you going to migrate? Are you going to leave the land of your fathers, your home, to a strange <coughs> land? He goes, he overcomes the shaitan. Then shaitan comes to him. He goes, are you going to do jihad? If you die, you will leave your family, your children as orphans. And nobody shows them more love than you. He overcomes them. So the Prophet ﷺ mentioned three specific deeds where shaitan attacks. When you embrace Islam, he attacks. 
when you do hijrah he attacks when you do jihad he attacks <coughs> so he's using logic so what's interesting the same thing is mentioned here but this verse is specifically about those who embrace Islam but now shaitan attacks them again saying look nothing good is coming from this religion astaghfirullah and also there's a report in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. If you look at the verse 11, Allah Ta'ala says, Allah harf, on the verge. Mujahid katada, they said meaning in doubt. So when Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, there are some men who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the verge, on the edge. It means in doubt. They haven't really got iman. So now, to such feeble minds, religion does not mean high endeavor, self-sacrifice for noble ends, the recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's infinite will, but just a small concession in formalism, perhaps a present to an <coughs> idol, perhaps attendance at worship if it can be done without trouble. So, this is the thing. The deen is the deen of sacrifice. You do everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like the Quran mentions, my life and my death, my sacrifice is all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the believer has high endeavor. But the one who's in doubt, it's just formalism. He presents, you know, a little here. He does a little bit of worship there. He goes, this isn't what Allah Ta'ala wants from the, from the person. He goes, this is just formalism. Monafics do that. And this is why there's a verse in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 208, where it mentions clearly, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanudkhulu fissilmi qafah O you who believe, enter into Islam wholeheartedly. So here there's a report in Ibn Abi Hatim and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Ibn Abbas recited this verse and he explained, this refers to the believers amongst the people of the book. Some of them still followed some parts of the Torah and the previous revelations. <coughs> so Allah Ta'ala is now again, note how interesting, he's talking to the people of the book. They were clinging on to some of their traditions from Judaism and Christianity. So Allah Ta'ala says, enter Islam wholeheartedly. In other words, there's nothing now from the other religions except what's in line with the, the, uh, the glorious truth. And there's a report. And the report mentions, so this is recorded by Imam Suyuti in Ad-Dur al-Mantur, Hafiz Baydawi. Certain Muslims who had converted from Judaism wish to keep up some Jewish practices such as according esteem to Saturdays and abstaining from camel meat. They told the Prophet also, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that since the Torah was also the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, they recited it in Tahajjid. Allah the Almighty revealed this verse on this occasion, informing them that after the advent of Islam, no other religion remains. So it mentions now what they were doing. So they were Muslims. But they still wanted to honor Saturday. They wanted to remain abstinent from eating camel's meat. And, unbelievably, read the Torah in Tajjid. So Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. Oh, you who believe, enter Islam wholeheartedly. He goes, leave it. 
In another report, in Imam Ahmad's Mushnad Mishkat and Behaki, Jabr radiallahu relates that the Prophet said, I have come to you with clear signs. Even if Musa والسلام, was now with us, he too will have no option but to follow me. So forget about your following your practices. Even if the Holy Prophet Musa, the Prophet said, Musa والسلام, was now here because he would follow me. So where does that leave your Saturdays? Your camels meet. Right? So again, note, this is shaitan. And Allah Ta'ala mentions, enter Islam wholeheartedly. I with uh, reverence. So this helps to further clarify upon this verse where Allah Ta'ala mentions, don't worship me on the verge, I in doubt. Verse 12. They call on such deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as can neither hurt nor profit them, that is straying far indeed, i.e. from the path. So, note again, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that in reality, they are worshipping something else. They are not worshipping me. And this is what it boils down to. Allah Ta'ala mentions in verses that, have you seen him who takes his desires as his God? So Allah Ta'ala actually mentions that desire can be a God as well. One report said it's the worst God to be worshipped. So Allah Ta'ala is mentioning here, look at these people. They call on other deities besides their Lord because this is straying far from the path. Verse 13. Perhaps they call on one whose hurt is nearer than his prophet. Evil indeed is their patron and evil the companion. So like I mentioned, it's shaitan. Shaitan whispers to them, you know, you've embraced Islam. What have you done? You've left the religion of your fathers. You've done hijrah. You left your homeland, your friends, your family. You're doing jihad. You might die and leave your children orphans. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, they call on one whose hurt is nearer than his prophet. Evil. Evil is the patron and evil is the companion because he's not inspiring good into you. For instance, in another part of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala mentions, Shaitan promises you, poverty, uh, Shaitan threatens you with poverty. Allah Ta'ala promises you with forgiveness. And this is what Shaitan does. In other words, you know, he's, he's trying to mess you up using logic. Verse 14. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit those who believe and do righteous deeds to gardens beneath which rivers flow. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carries out all that he plants. So Allah ta'ala ultimately mentions that this is what you are being called towards, ayu paradise. And then he says, Inna Allah yaf'alu ma yurid. Allah ta'ala carries out all that he plants, meaning that even though they're listening to the shaitan, this is all in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's executed. Verse 50. If any think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not help him وسلم, in this world and the hereafter. Let him stretch out a rope to the ceiling and cut off. Then let him see whether his plan will remove that which enrages him. So now there's a few meanings here. So the first thing to point out is what Mufti Shafi says. Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah in Ma'riful Quran, volume 6, page 249 of the English translation, he explained, Man kana yazum, 
if someone thinks, means, that the enemies of Islam, who put hurdles in his path, and desire that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should abandon his prophet, and his religion, must clearly understand that this can happen only when, God forbid, he is deprived of the office of prophethood, and ceases to receive divine revelation. It is well understood that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows prophethood on someone and favors him with revelation, he also promises him full support in this world and in the hereafter. Thus the only way to stop the advancement of a prophet and his mission, if someone has the power to stop it, is that he should dispossess Rasulullah of his mission, or that the sequence of divine revelation should be severed. Anyone wanting to do all this will have to go to the sky and cut off the chain of revelation. And since such a thing is not possible, no amount of fire and fury can do any harm to Islam. This interpretation is related in Ad-Dur al-Mantur from Ibn Zayd, and in my opinion, it is the most appropriate one. Imam Qurtubi also states this is the best interpretation. So this is the quote. So what was the respected authorities mentioning? So if you look at the verse, Allah Ta'ala says, if you think that Allah Ta'ala will not help him in this world, so who's him? Rasulullah. And the hereafter, let him stretch out a rope to the heaven and cut himself off. Meaning, if you think I'm not going to help him, <coughs> cut off revelation. Go to the heavens, cut it off. Let him see whether his plan will remove the rage. So this is the view favored by Imam Qurtubi and Mufti Shafi and Ibn Zaid in Ad-Dur al-Mantur. Meaning, how on earth can he be misguided? The only way you've got any feasible logic to that is if I leave him, I abandon him. Because he's never going to be abandoned. So this is one meaning. But there's another. So this report is in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, Whoever thinks that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not help Muhammad in their world and the hereafter, let him stretch out a rope. Then he recited in his house then he recited and cut off i.e. let him hang himself with it so this is another meaning so Ibn Abbas he said if you think that Allah Ta'ala is not going to help his messenger in this world and the next then basically get a, get a rope and the Quran goes, Ilas Samah. But Ibn Abbas interpreted that to mean the house. He goes, put a rope up and hang yourself. He goes, see if that will get rid of it. In another report, in Ar-Razi and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, As-Sudi, he recited this portion of verse 15. Then let him see whether his plan will remove the enragement. He explained. In the case of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa see whether this will get rid of your anger against Muhammad. Kill yourself, sallallahu alayhi wa And Atah said, Rahmatullah alayhi, in Ibn Kathir's tafsir, 
let him see whether that will cure the rage he feels in his heart. So now what's fascinating about all this? There's two meanings. So if you look at the verse, Allah Ta'ala is saying, if you don't think I'm going to help my messenger in the world and the next, stretch out a rope to the heaven. If you take it literally the heaven, now it, it means cut off the divine revelation. The Quran says, and cut off, meaning the revelation. See whether your plan will get rid of the rage. Or it means, if you don't believe I'm going to help him, hang yourself. <laughs> See whether that gets rid of the rage. <laughs> so either way, Allah Ta'ala is telling them, this rage that you've got is only harming yourself. This rage that you've got is only harming yourself. And also, just to add the point here, this is why sometimes, even though a word is in the Quran, it may not be literal. Sama means the higher realm, the upper realm. It doesn't mean ceiling. It doesn't mean a roof. And yet Ibn Abbas said roof. So it's not as simple as just knowing the Arabic language. You've got to go to the authorities. But if you interpret it to mean revelation, it does mean the higher realm. But note the difference which the scholars have pointed. Verse 16. Thus have we sent down clear signs, and verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does guide whom he wills. So Allah Ta'ala says nothing on earth can stop the divine revelation. So after mentioning your futility or your you know ignorant desire for this to be cut off, nevertheless it will come down, and with it I guide whom I will, meaning some will receive guidance, those who were decreed to receive guidance, and others, i.e., they are not to receive the guidance. And this is the will of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'll recite the verse. We will conclude. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa minan nasi man ya'budu Allah ala harf. فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرُ نِطْمَأَنَّا بِهِ وَإِنْ أَصَابَتْهُ فِتْنَةُ نِنْقَلَبَ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ خَسِرَ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْخُسْرَانُ الْمُبِينِ يَدْعُو مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَدُرُّهُ وَمَا لَا يَنْفَعُهُ ذَلِكَ هُوَ الدَّلَالُ الْبَعِيدُ يَرْؤُولَ مَنْ دَرُّهُ أَقْرَبُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِ لَبِئَسَ الْمَوْلَى وَلَبِئَسَ الْعَشِيرِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُدْخِلُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْدِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَفْعَلُ مَا يُرِيدُ من كان يظن أن لن ينصره الله في الدنيا والآخرة فليمدد بسبب إلى السماء ثم ليقطع فلينظر هل يذهبن قيده ما يغيظ وكذلك أنزلناه آيات بينات وأن الله يهدي من يريد we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabbi of our heart. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered.